0: Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. I'm your host, Lonnie Jones, and the adventure part is basically just our experiences. And some of those experiences are as mundane as growing up, being married, being a young married couple with a kid, or being a middle-aged couple with grandkids. Some of the experiences will be my adventures as an outdoorsman a rock climber, a fisherman, a hunter, or my experiences as a police chaplain who's been assigned to a SWAT team for over 30 years. Some of that adventure may even boil down to the idea that there's a belief that I'm a chaotic Jedi. <laughs> either way, we'll take the experiences or the adventures and we'll talk about the facts. The facts will lead to concepts, and the concepts lead to application Basically, it will be anecdotal wisdom. One cautionary word about the facts is we will tell you the facts just as they happened, but sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we remember them happening, and sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we've heard other people tell us the way they remember them happening. In any occasion, it's not an attempt to deceive, there'll be a little bit of embellishment and it's an all good, clean, fun, and for learning purposes only. Thank you for Keeping Up with Jones. Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by sj General Contractors. SJNL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, Storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931 433 4660. That is 931 433 4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family owned company, three W's dot, S J N L dot www.sjnl.com What's more effective, a well-trained person with no equipment, or a well-equipped person with no training? Well, in certain cases, I'd have to say that a person with proper training can get by with minimal equipment. But ideally you'd like to have both lads to leaders now lads to leaders is known as a program but i'd like to describe it as a process you see the name is the process you take lads young people and you mature them into leaders the process of lads becoming leaders is about both equipment and training Young people are equipped with values, they are equipped with philosophy, and they are equipped with special skills. Lads to Leaders is not just learning to do, but in reality, it's doing to learn. And as people participate in the Lads to Leaders program, they become well-trained and well-equipped to be the future leaders. And church leaders or community leaders, it, it produces leadership qualities in young people the Lads to Leaders program is the legacy of Dr. Jack Zorn who invented the program if you're interested in participating in Lads to Leaders ladstoleaders.com if you're interested in learning more about it you can contact Rhonda Fernandez 321-202-7600 321-202-7600 ladstoleaders.com producing leaders in the church in the future in the young people of today adventuring as a boy my first weapon of choice w- would be a, a baton or a, a staff like a bow staff or a robin hood staff uh in the days before i could carry a firearm i had this uh, piece of cherry wood i think it had come from a ribbon company And a friend of mine had given it to me at school. His dad worked there or something. And then I had wrapped it in black electric tape. And about six to eight inches from the end, I had really wrapped the tape so it made like a handguard. And then I would put uh, a metal ring through a piece of webbing and slide that stick through that ring. And it would be my sheath or my holster. And I would clip it to my uh, sling when I would go climbing or when I would go hiking and I don't know how many miles I've traveled with that stick as my means of protection. It was a not quite the length of a bow staff and not as short as an actual baton, but it was my weapon. It was the thing that I'd use to kill snakes and fend off would-be predators and even thought on an occasion or two I might have to give some uh, conflict resolution <laughs> lessons with it on some people. I learned to use it as a leverage applier. I learned to use it as a force multiplier. You could use it uh, to augment uh, choke holes. Uh, it will lengthen your grip. If you do a Darsh choke, it will allow you to do a, a cross-handed lapel choke and use the stick as the lapel, even if you don't have a lapel. It's a it's a very vo- versatile tool. I guess my my original interest in batons... Well, I guess my original interest in baton would have been the baton twirlers. <laughs> As a high school student, the young ladies that uh, marched on the football field in the knee-high white boots were were quite interesting to watch. And I guess I never really paid that much attention to the baton. I, I do remember coming to the school on a Friday night and I was going to follow the band buses to the away game and it was raining. Oh, it was coming a deluge. Uh, as John Sanford will write in his novels, it was raining like a cow peeing on a flat rock. And the the girls were standing there in their little rain ponchos and waiting to try to get to the school bus. And there were these little rivers of water running down that hill at the bottom of that hill from Oxford High School. And I gallantly and sacrificially got out of my old 68 Impala and walked over to the high retaining wall that served as part of the porch out out of the band room and sacrificially offered to carry those ladies one by one through the water and place them on the uh, band bus. (laughs) I've always been a servant. What can I say? Later on, I I got actually interested in in the skills that a baton twirler uses. There's a a girl named uh, Michelle C. Smith, and she's a world champion baton twirler, and she has turned her baton skills into uh, choreographing fights or fight choreography using a bow staff or an scream stick. And she's even done some lightsaber stuff. Uh, and if you are interested in the martial arts or even if you know somebody who's an actual baton competitor, Michelle C. Smith offers these tutorials. She does some really cool ninja type stuff, and I've watched, watched her Um uh, Later on, my interest in the baton became not a a, a twirler baton, but uh, an actual police baton. Uh, I've been to two different classes on that. One, we used the side handle PR24 baton that uh, used to be issued to the police officers. And, And then they changed companies and started using the metal expandable baton. I think the company that we bought ours from was called ASP, A-S-P, like a, a venomous snake. Now, if you go to a police training and, and you're certifying on how to do the upper blocks and the lower blocks and the, the strikes and all the things that they teach with the green areas and the red areas and the yellow areas, and if you're in that class and you're going through kind of what is like a kata to learn how to do your your strikes, do not do your Daffy Duck impression and do block spin peri-thrust because the people who teach those classes do not have a sense of humor, and you'll end up doing push-ups. Don't ask me how I know, but it's something that I heard once. My my friend, uh, long-time friend and and retired police officer Jim Goins often asked if when they issued the guys the uh, baton, and the batons we used were known as an ASP baton, he said, well, if you ha- have to use this and, and you write in your report that you had to do a use of force, can you fill out in your report that you had to give someone an ASP whooping? <laughs> you better be careful how you say it, how you spell it, and, and don't say it fast. <laughs> I, uh, I got invited to it. To well, I, I signed up to go to this class on hypnosis. Now, this was a class treating uh, chronic pain and trauma through using uh, a version of hypnosis that was uh, akin to John Conley's rapid resolution therapy, but it was being taught by one of his disciples, a, a lady named Courtney Armstrong. And I'm a super huge fan of Courtney Armstrong and the the stuff she does with uh, trauma-informed hypnotherapy and her recon method. Uh, To tell you what a fan I am of Courtney, to to take this week-long class, I had to give up the first five days of Alabama bow season. And that is something I typically don't do. I typically don't don't schedule anything during the opening parts of bow season. And, And so I ended up traveling to Nashville to attend this seminar. Now, the very first day, I made it clear to the class that I was there in spite of myself, and that I I really wanted to be bow hunting. In the early part of the first day, they were doing some guided imagery hypnosis, and a lady was there at the front of the room, and she was being a, a cooperative subject. And as she was... Being led through this, she had gotten into a relaxed state. And she said that she was in a forest and there was a stream, and the class is hanging on her every word. They're listening to this person who's teaching the class and teaching us to be good neuro linguistic programmers. And she says, And I see, I see some deer. And I blurted out, How many points? <laughs> Which disrupted the gnosis thing. But I was missing deer season the second day of the class we came in and they were talking about you know using these techniques and using some of this language to help deal with some some minor aches and pains or some chronic pain and so they just asked is there any is there a, a, anybody who would volunteer to to let us do maybe a, a demonstration like we did with the lady the day before anybody got a tweak or a twinge or a tightness and I I try to be a good participant. I'm not always a good participant, but I I try. And and so I raised my hand and I said that I had a little catch in my right trapezius muscle. And uh, so they said, well, how did you get it? I said, well, I'd rather not say. And they said, no, 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 You, you have to talk about how it occurred in order for us to do this hypnosis stuff. I said, well, I got up this morning early and I decided to go for a morning run. And I looked up on on my phone some running trails, and I I found the Stones River Parkway. And so I went over to the Stones River Parkway, and and there were these arched bridges, and there was a low-lying level of fog on the ground. And it looked to me like it was a scene out of a werewolf movie, and and I could see some maybe some homeless people around. So instead of just getting out and running in the pre-dawn light, I, I decided I would take a force multiplier with me, so I dug through the stuff that I carried in my truck and got out my expandable baton. Uh, Tommy Mayo had given it to me as a gift, and so I went running with this expandable baton, and, and because it's not light, but it's not heavy, I had a good grip on it, and, and the way I was running and keeping my hand in position, it had made me have kind of like this little charlie horse in my trapezius muscle. Well, the class understood about the charlie horse and the trapezius muscle, but they did not understand about the expandable baton. So I began to explain how the thing worked, how it was deployed and the various things one could do to defend himself with this little metal stick. Well, they did the hypnosis thing, and and it was all well and good. The next morning... This is day three of the seminar now. I walk into the class pretty early, and the only guy in the room is a gentleman wearing a jacket and a turtleneck sweater. He's bald as I am, and he had his long, elegant fingers steepled together. And I came to find out later that the gentleman was a practicing Buddhist. And as I walked in the door, he goes, Why Lonnie? I began to lift you in my morning prayers today, but then I decided to pray for the person who might assault you. <laughs> and I guess my self-imposed legend of being some kind of self-defense guy had had somehow impressed this pacifist and he had decided that I was some kind of threat to be reckoned with and that he needed to pray for the person who would assault me rather than praying for my safety. He was praying for their safety. <laughs> I wonder if if in defending ourselves, and, and I'm not talking about somebody who tries to rob you or mug you or, or molest you, I'm talking about defending that little piece of territory, whether it's about gun rights or gay rights or Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or gun control, pro-life or pro-choice, what you think or don't think about transgenders or even sexual orientation, gas prices, liberalism or conservatism, baptism, the Lord's Supper, instrumental music, the qualifications for elders or women's roles in the church. I wonder if in defending ourselves, we behave in such a way that we are so reactionary and, and so volatile and so cruel that that the people who hear us talk and, and that watch us in action, they feel compelled to pray for the people that we might encounter. And, and, and I, I really think that, that there is a place for debate. I've never been a debater. I've never participated in a debate. I've never studied debate. I've always believed that everybody I meet knows something I don't know and can see something I can't see. I don't want to argue for the sake of arguing and, and, and I don't want to, to get involved with, with some of these little pet campaign. And there are things that I believe that you don't believe and I'm fairly convinced of them and we really need to have a discussion about it unless that while I'm trying to learn from you, you're trying to learn from me. But, but I've got no interest in just being in a one-sided thing where you're going to defend this high ground. And then I've got no interest in being the person who is just going to defend the high ground, especially if it makes me rude, aggressive, reactive, volatile, demeaning, farcical. pharisaical, You see, when I defend my position, I need to come from a a place of this is what I believe and this is why I believe it. I'd be interested to know what you believe and why you believe it. And and could we literally learn from each other? I'm not sure that anybody's ever going to change the world with a Facebook post. And and, and it, it doesn't take any special courage to hide behind the keyboard. It doesn't take any courage to to take your perception of the world and try to superimpose on everybody else when a vast majority of the things that you read on Facebook are from the uninformed. But even when we encounter the uninformed, or if you encounter me and consider that I'm uninformed, the way that we treat each other and the way that we talk to each other Is it really a, I'm right, you're wrong, I win, you lose? Or can it be a a place of mutual growth and mutual understanding? And even if I don't agree with you, at least I've listened to you well enough to understand you. And you've listened to me well enough to understand me. Are we so aggressive and so reactive? that the people we encounter need prayers and need to be protected from us. As a teacher, as a presenter, as a counselor, as a preacher, as I talk about Scripture or even talk about the things that are my personal values, I just I pray that you feel compelled to pray for me, and that you don't feel compelled to pray for the safety of the people I might encounter. TKM Incorporated is a supporter of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. They're located in Moss, Tennessee, and they specialize in erosion control, silt fence, seeding, sod, hydro seeding, hydro mulch, minor excavation work, and traffic control and construction signs. If you need any of their services, please call them at 931 243 3958. That is 931 243 3958, or you can email them at TKM Inc. 2001 at twlakes.net. That is T-K-M-I-N-C-2001 at twlakes.net. TKM stands for the King's Men, and with their traffic control and construction signs, one of their primary missions is keeping people safe. But because they are the King's Men, they're wishing that everyone could be saved.